Thanks, Jeff. Good morning to everybody again. Good to see everybody. I want to compliment you on your singing. It was beautiful. And uh, let's always remember when we're singing in praise and worship to God that we're doing exactly that. It's very special. And so uh, let's really stop and think about what we're saying and through those words of those songs. Appreciate everybody being here. Let's remember Everett Yates. He is home from uh, the hospital, but uh, he is uh, still experiencing apparently some confusion. Please keep him in your prayers and uh, the family as well as they're trying to be there with him and for him. Last Sunday I began what I said was going to be a series of sermons beginning with the question, what does it mean? What does it mean? And then every particular lesson will be filling in the rest of that question individually. So I began with what would probably be the, maybe the, uh, some people might think the most negative, but it's not, it's not a negative lesson, it's just looking at one of the most negative possibilities in the experience of humankind, and that is being lost eternally. What does it mean to be lost? We're talking about being separated from God and all of his power and glory forever, not being able to be with him in heaven, talking about the idea that, as the scriptures teach, to be lost means to be in hell for all of eternity. We need to understand what it means to be lost. In our culture today, and I'm talking about also in our quote-unquote Christian culture, that particular lesson that particular line of study is being minimized, being really just kind of put on the shelf to a great extent and maybe giving a little bit of attention here and there, but, but stayed away from for the most part. The scriptures teach on that subject as we saw over and over and over again, and we need to understand that reality. Well, let's look at the opposite of that, not quite the total opposite, but today let's begin to move in that direction and say, what does it mean to seek forgiveness? To seek forgiveness, what does that mean? When we look at Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, we see that the Apostle Paul wrote that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's talking about everybody. That means you and me. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, our most fundamental need as a human being with a soul is to be forgiven of our sins so that we can look forward to being with God in heaven for all of eternity and not have to worry or be concerned about being in hell for all of eternity. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Again, mankind's, yours and mine, most fundamental need is to, be, is to seek forgiveness from God 
for our sins, for my sins. Forgiveness is a real life issue for every single one of us. Every single person alive today. Forgiveness takes two distinct directions in our lives. First, it is seeking forgiveness. But then in some cases, it is also extending forgiveness. Sin, our biggest problem, our greatest need. What is it that we need to understand about seeking forgiveness? Why do we need to seek forgiveness? The, apostle, uh, the uh, prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 59 and verse 2 very succinctly, your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sin have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Everybody needs to read that verse and not just gloss over it, but stop and think about what it's saying. Our sins separate us from God. That's reality. We need to quit trying to explain away our sins by saying, well, everybody's doing it. Well, times have changed. God knows my heart, my real heart. If, he know, if your heart is right with God, you're going to walk away from sins because they separate you from God. And they even, if it gets to a certain point, and we don't know when that point is from a human perspective, but God knows, it may get to a point where he stops listening to your prayers altogether. Now think about the gravity of that. The problem with sin, it separates us from God and God has declared in his word that the wages or consequence of sin is death. But now he offers us the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But we first have to deal with the sin in our life. What does, it see, what does it mean to seek forgiveness? And also we need to understand that not only do we need to be forgiven, and that's our most fundamental need, forgiven from God or forgiven by God for our sins. But we also need to understand we're seeking God's mercy, his love, his grace. As we seek forgiveness for our sins, we also need to extend and really, if we're doing it correctly, we need to extend God's mercy, his love, his grace in dealing with others who may have sinned against us and be ready always to forgive them. In Luke 6 and verse 36, Jesus said, Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. We want God's mercy but we're still human, aren't we? And even if we have prayed, after we have prayed for God's forgiveness and he has extended it to us, sometimes we have a tough time forgiving other people. Somebody may have really wronged us in some way. They may have done something against us. They may have hurt us. They may have said bad things about us. Maybe they did not do something that they should have done. Maybe they just carry a bad attitude about us and they've sinned against us. We want God's forgiveness. And let me tell you, probably every single one of us have done some really sinful things. Now that makes us uncomfortable. Oh no, I've never done, yeah, we have. Probably every single one of us. But we want God's mercy, we want his forgiveness. And he extends it to us.
Remember again, Jesus said, come to me, you who weary, uh, all, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Learn from me. You'll find rest for your souls. We need that rest for our souls, knowing that God has forgiven us of our sins. He has given us that, he has, he has, he has gone ahead and extended that most fundamental need that we have in our lives, forgiveness from him. But he also expects us to forgive others around us who have wronged us and have sought our forgiveness. At times, again, all of us have been sinned against by somebody else, but we have undoubtedly also sinned against others at times. Maybe sometimes unwittingly, but it did not change the fact of the matter. What does it mean to seek forgiveness? We're going to use an acrostic, the word sorry. And I, I, I know that a lot of people, they think when they feel sorry, that's repentance. That's not repentance, just feeling sorry. We'll talk about that a little in a few moments. But that word, that's the beginning of repentance and seeking forgiveness. When we become sorry for our sins. So let's take that. The first letter, or, or the, the letter of, of, of all of that word, S-O-R-R-Y, and use each letter as a step in seeking forgiveness and understanding what that step means. S, soon. We can understand that as standing for soon. I need to not put off seeking forgiveness. I need to seek forgiveness soon. In fact, the sooner the better. In James chapter 4 and verse 6, James wrote this. He gives more grace. That is, God gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. A lot of times when we are thinking about, I, I, I need to seek God's forgiveness, but we let pride hold us back from simply humbling our heart before God and perhaps dropping to our knees. But even if we don't do that physically, we do that through our heart, through our mind, and humble ourselves before God and say, God, please, please forgive me. I've messed up. I know I've sinned. I need your forgiveness. But again, so, so often people, they let pride and the devil working through them, through that pride, to keep them from seeking God's forgiveness, to keep them from humbling themselves before him sufficient to say, God, I have sinned, please forgive me. Pride, what a shame that people will let pride keep them from being forgiven. The wise man wrote in Proverbs 16 and verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now we're not talking about what might be considered godly pride Take pride in my work. Take pride in my family life, how I conduct myself as a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, a child. Maybe even a, a grandson or a granddaughter or a grandparent. That's, that's, that's what might be considered godly pride. Take pride in my appearance. I, wanna, I want to present myself in a way that is godly, that is showing my relationship with God even in the modest way that I dress. I want to be 
proud about the way I conduct myself in my speech, indicating that I, I believe that I need to glorify God in every facet of my life. Now we're talking about pride that is ungodly, pride that keeps us from doing what we know we should be doing. And in this case, simply humbling ourselves and seeking God's forgiveness. The wise man went on in chapter 29 and verse 23. He said, a man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. With others, when they perhaps have done us wrong, we need to remember what we're asking of God. We're asking his forgiveness in the face of our sinfulness against him. And all sin is against God. So with others, we need to take the initiative if we have done somebody wrong, if we have sinned against them, we need to seek their forgiveness. Jesus talks about, in that particular setting, about worshiping God through giving a gift at the altar. He says, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Because we need to be right before God, and that also means that we need to be right before our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, ideally, the offender would meet the offended on the way to see each other, to talk about the problem that they've got between themselves. And not in a challenging or ugly way, certainly not a way of physical violence, but but humbly seeking to make things right. And so in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15, it, takes, it looks at the perspective of the one who has been offended or sinned against. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him the, his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. And so it's reciprocal, going both directions soon first letter in the word sorry. O stands for openly. Openly admit your fault. Don't beat around the bush. Don't hedge over the matter. You've done wrong. Admit it. Openly admit your fault. Exhibit a sincere desire for forgiveness. Be eager also to offer forgiveness to others. When we're seeking God's forgiveness, God knows the sin. Don't try, you can't hide it from him. Just repent of it and ask his forgiveness. In Psalm 41 and verse 4, the psalmist wrote, I said, O Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. Open admission of what I have done that has been wrong. In Luke chapter 18, and beginning with verse 10, we find two men. One is haughty and arrogant prideful in an ungodly way. They both come to God in prayer, but the first man, he go, they, they both go up to the temple to pray, and the first one being a Pharisee, supposedly of a strict order of spirituality, of dedication to God, yet his arrogance shows something different. He prays, he, 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 he he's a, uh, he prayed, he stood and prayed with the Father this way. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, 
extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector over here. And the tax collector would have been among the worst of the sinners in the Jewish mindset in the culture of that day, in that part of the world. He goes on and he says, I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess. He's bragging before God, prideful. Now what about that tax collector whom he has disdained in his prayer? The tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. He was humble. He stood there before God with his eyes lowered and he beat upon his breast for emphasis declaring himself in need of forgiveness. No equivocation, no beating around the bush, no trying to sugarcoat things. Beat himself on the breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus' analysis of the two men's prayers, he said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other the other who was so arrogant and prideful and boasting in his prayer before God, nonetheless. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, when we look at it in reference or in the relationship between somebody else we know, another human being, maybe even a loved one, if we want God's mercy and forgiveness, then we must be tender-hearted and be ready to forgive and extend mercy to others who have sinned against us. We look at Matthew 6 and verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, as Jesus is teaching the apostles to pray. Verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. We look further, Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 36. Jesus says, therefore, be merciful, just as your father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Ephesians 4 and verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiving one another just as you have sought God's forgiveness and he has extended it to you. So, yes, in sorry, soon. Seek forgiveness soon. Oh, openly admit your fault and exhibit that desire for forgiveness and be eager to offer forgiveness to others. R. The first R. Regret. Exhibit godly sorrow that leads to repentance. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, or chapter 7 rather, in beginning with verse 9. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, Paul writes to the congregation at Corinth, and maybe particularly talking about a particular individual Christian man within that congregation. But he was rebuking the congregation through his first Corinthians letter in a number of places, kind of as a whole. And he says, I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. A lot of people are sorry 
when they recognize that they have done wrong, but they don't repent of it. They just go back and do it again or do something else equally bad. He says, I'm glad, I'm rejoicing, not that you were just made sorry, but that you were made sorry to the point of leading you to repentance for godly sorrow. You were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, but the sorrow, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. And so there's a, there's a distinction that he makes there. A lot of people experience worldly sorrow, but they don't do anything about it other than just being sorry. But Paul was saying, I'm glad that you were sorrowful in a godly manner, and that led you to repent of your sins so that you could seek forgiveness. In Luke chapter 13, verses 3 and 5, the same statement from our Lord, that without repentance we cannot hope for forgiveness. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now with all of this emphasis on repentance, what are we talking about? What is repentance? If you look it up, if you, if you search and as to what it means in the original language, it's a change of mind. But it's not a change of mind that is just kept there within your mind. It is a change of mind that leads to a change in action or behavior. So when someone says, I, I'm sorry for that particular sin that I committed, God, please forgive me. I'll never do that again, or at least I will strive to never do that again. There's the change of action. I'm going to try to stay away from that particular behavior for the rest of my life. And repentance, when you find repentance and forgiveness in the same text of Scripture, repentance always comes first. As Jesus was ready to ascend back to heaven, and he was telling the apostles to go teach the, the world, everybody, everywhere, the gospel of Christ, as Luke records that great commission in Luke 24 and verse 47, Jesus said that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Notice, repentance and remission or forgiveness of sins. Repentance came first. It comes first. Ten days later at Pentecost, as Peter was preaching to the Jews present on that day, and some of them said, what shall we do? after he had convicted them of their sinfulness in rejecting Christ, his answer to them was, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Repentance comes before forgiveness. A little bit later, as the church was established, Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, another crowd gathers after God, through Peter and John, had healed a man that had been lame from birth. People saw what had happened. They come and they gather around and they take that as an opportunity to preach the gospel again to a great multitude of people gathered before them. And as they're coming toward the application that they're calling for the people to make, once again, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Acts 3 and verse 19. Repentance comes before forgiveness, the natural order 
of that particular process. And how does this apply to us in relationship to a brother or sister in Christ or somebody else around us? We need to recognize that if they're repenting, we must forgive. Luke chapter 17 and verse 3, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Let him know. They're not talking about being mean to him in any way, but let him know. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, and this is probably hyperbolic language there, exaggeration for the purpose of emphasis, and he returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. You want God to forgive you over and over and over again. You be ready to forgive others over and over and over again. So regret. Regret. Exhibit that godly sorrow that leads to repentance. The next R is restitution. Restitution. Where appropriate and possible, make restitution for the wrong that you did. A thief, upon learning the gospel, learning about his sin and his need for forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ, he can't keep what he stole. He repents, he seeks God's forgiveness. That doesn't mean the million dollars that he stole, he can just keep it for himself at that point. Restitution, where possible and appropriate. The principle is laid out in the Old Testament law of Moses. Exodus chapter 22 and verse 1. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Restitution, again. Yourself would be the last word in the word sorry, the end of the acrostic. Yourself, intentional or not, guess what? You did it. And a lot of people will say, well, I didn't mean that. But you did it. I didn't mean it for it to come across like that. But you said it. And there are times when our intentions may have been pure, but we still did something that was wrong. It had, a, it had an effect that is, is, is not what our effect upon a person ought to be. And so intentional or not, you did it. Take personal responsibility and do what's right. Do what's right. And it comes back again a lot of times to simply swallowing your pride not letting your pride keep you from doing what God's word tells you you need to do. Turn from evil. Seek forgiveness. Walk in righteousness. In Isaiah chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes, God says. Cease to do evil. Again, be open with your wrong. Admit it and seek forgiveness. And you'll feel better afterwards. It'll be like a weight that's been lifted from your shoulders. Instead of dodging around and instead of trying to cover it up, instead of trying to deny it, again, whether you intend it or not, to do something against somebody or against God, against his teachings, you did it. Own up to it and seek God's forgiveness. Every single one of us chooses a lifestyle. 
and so we're responsible for that lifestyle. The prophet goes on in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 16 and through 18. He says, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And that's what we want, isn't it? We don't want our sins still held against us. We want to know that they have been wiped clean. God no longer remembers them. As though in his relationship with us, they never happened. And I believe that's what is behind, literally, the word that is translated remission of your sins in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And so the prophet here, and he's writing God's word, just own up to your sins, ask God's forgiveness, admit, repent. And though your sins were like scarlet, bright red, they shall be as white as snow. In other words, completely wiped away, your soul will be cleansed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 8, the apostle Paul says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are of the flesh cannot please God. But you are not of the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. We have to make up our mind. We have to focus. Am I going to live a godly life? Am I going to live the life of a dedicated Christian or not? And those are the only two choices. There's no middle of the road. Each one of us chooses our own pathway through life. When Jesus talked about those two possible pathways in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, he said most are going down the wrong pathway. They're headed down the broad way that leads to eternal destruction. Only the few are headed down the pathway that is narrow and straight, the pathway of truth that leads to eternal life in heaven. But our encouragement, our assurance, is that we can come to Christ or come to God through Christ and be forgiven and be made new. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. The Apostle Paul wrote, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We can seek forgiveness. Recognizing our need, therefore, God sent Christ into this world as the Savior to go to the cross to pay the price for the guilt of our sins so that we could be forgiven. That's how much God loves us. And that's how serious that fundamental problem of sin is within our lives, within all of humanity. Hebrews 9 and verse 28, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin 
before salvation. And that's the final day of judgment when he will come and all of us will stand before him and give account for the things that we have done in this body, in our physical lives, whether good or bad. What does it mean to seek forgiveness? Would you like to have your, your mind, your soul free from guilt? God offers that to you. Soon. Seek forgiveness soon. Openly. Don't try to hide it. God knows the sin. Openly admit it and ask God's forgiveness. Regret. Simply repent. Regret it to the point, have godly sorrow that leads you to change your mind and your life. If there's a need for restitution, just have at it. Give that restitution. And yourself, take personal responsibility. Don't try to blame your wrong. Don't try to blame your faults. Don't try to blame your bad feelings. Don't try to blame your sin on somebody else or on some situation. Just admit, I need forgiveness. I did wrong. God is ready to forgive. If you're ready to come to him in repentance and surrender to your Lord and Savior through baptism, the blood that he shed on the cross will cleanse you of the guilt of all of your sins. And though they were like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. You will be white as snow. Your soul will be cleansed. If you need the prayers of the church as you repent of whatever it might be in your life, we're here to pray with you and for you, rejoicing, not in judgment. And God is ready to forgive. If you need to come, won't you come right now as we stand together and sing.